0: Where the whiteboards are, a podcast by educators about all things education.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Where the Whiteboards Are. <laughs> I don't know what that reaction. I didn't.
2: Up. I didn't know you okay, we were so like jumping. I didn't know you were going to hit actual go, and then all of a sudden, I was like, I have to breathe really heavily, and then I was like, I the
1: microphone. <laughs> I was like, was I way too loud? No, I was like, oh okay. god,
2: I don't want to. Be gross in the
1: microphone. That's all. That's all. Okay.
2: Please continue.
3: A podcast about education.
2: <laughs> no, by oh, A bunch of
0: education
2: about
3: education. podcast <laughs> about learning. We've <laughs> got smart.
1: smart guys. My best learners.
2: <laughs> we are qualified to teach your
1: children. I, I promise. <laughs>
3: just believe, believe me.
1: All right. Well, let's start over. <laughs>
2: Sorry, think like, that's probably. But fair. I really, all of a sudden, I was like, <sighs> in that moment, it hit you. It did.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Where the Whiteboards Are. Today we are going to chat about confidence at being a teacher. At what point in your career do you finally feel like you have it all figured out? No, I think, <laughs> the answer is never, never. But at what point do you feel like, all right, I. I I have a semblance of what I'm able to do. And I have a little bit of confidence to know that I'm in charge of these people and not a complete fraud. (laughs) I'll
3: tell you, it never feels like I have that confidence until I just put my head down and start doing work. Right. You know, it's like, there's almost a constant state of what am I actually doing here? Like, how do I possibly manage everything I have to manage until I'm doing something? And I don't know, that just might be the like ADD in me where I need something to fixate on. But
2: by doing something, could you be more specific?
3: um, That saxophone that I was rebuilding Mm
2: -hmm, last mm -hmm.
3: night or yesterday for
2: the audience who might not know what you're talking about. Could you provide details? What do you mean by that saxophone?
3: That sax. Okay. So uh, it's just one of the things that was on my list. A teacher, you know, friend who had a uh, student who was previously in the band program, had an old saxophone that they brought to me. This is on top of my list of like, I still have to, Label the uniforms and I still have to tune the drums and I still have to everything else, you know, that goes into it. Um, And like I said, I always feel like I don't know how I'm going to manage all the things that I have to do. So I just grab something and start doing it. And this saxophone, I just like decided, okay, this is the thing that's getting off my list today. And uh, so I disassembled it like all the way down. Every single component came off of it. And uh, I washed the body and um, wiped off, cleaned off the keys as much as I could, replaced uh, all the pads that I could. There were a few pads that I didn't have the right size for, so they didn't get replaced. And then I uh, reassembled the whole thing with lubrication. Um, I still need to regulate the keys and level the pads, but um, it is all the way put together. So all that to say that like the process of I am actively doing this right now is the only time where I feel confident, like the basically the voice is quiet down and I can just like <laughs> feel like I'm getting something done. I know, I sound insane. That's a, a really impressive task because the saxophone is this super intimidating looking. Yeah, okay. It has so many buttons. Right. Wood, woodwind players can hate me all they want, but imagine needing so many mechanisms to make okay. music.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm a trumpet player, man. I just got three buttons. Like. Uh,
2: anyway, that's fine. That's a separate issue we can discuss. Yeah. Do you think it's fair then to like condense that down and summarize into your content competency gives you like teacher confidence?
3: Oh yeah, for sure. Like being able to play to my strengths. Mm-hmm. And finding those strengths and, uh, and 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 consciously actively playing to those strengths does help me feel that that ownership of what's going on in the classroom, and not just from like the instrument maintenance perspective, but like whenever I remind myself at the beginning of the day, like it's just band. Like I love doing band, whether I'm good at it or not, I don't know, that's for other people to determine. But mm-hmm. like it, as long as I stay focused on we're doing band, we're playing instruments. you know, they're not here to listen to me talk. they're here to play their instruments that you know, does help me feel that ownership. Excellent. Or so I guess confidence is what we're going for here. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, That's where the confidence comes from. You're good. For me, it was year three, like first
1: two years. And I don't know, maybe it was the end of year three. I don't know. But it kind of, I stopped feeling like a complete fish out of water, like the the new teacher. And then it uh-huh. was like, okay, no, I, I, I've done this a couple of years, had some success, learned a lot through failure. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I can adjust on the go and, you know, I don't feel like I have to do deep planning every single day or every uh, week. Like in terms of like, I've, I've kind of got it figured out and I can tweak it
3: on uh-huh. the go. Yeah. So, you think that comes from once you've been through the larger cycle, you start to recognize the patterns and like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. just like with all learning, right? Like right, you, well, yeah. you start
1: to find the, the pattern and, and you're like, all right, I can I can start to kind of explore with changing things and experimenting. And then it can kind of all fell into place after that. I, it it allowed me to build more confidence more quickly after that point.
2: Well, and I think there's probably there's got to be something to say about you have experience in what works and doesn't work. Like there's so much that's nice about a teacher from just having experience and being like, oh, I've done this activity before. So if this isn't working for you all, we can fall back on this other thing that I've gotten feedback on from students. I know that it works better than whatever thing we were going to do today or being able to adapt in that way.
0: Yeah, I think you have to have a little bit of time to gain confidence. I don't know very many if any first year teachers are like, "Yeah, I'm so confident. No. I'm this is I'm such a good teacher." Yeah. Like I definitely feel like maybe year 10 even. I just started my 10th year and it was the first time where we started school and I was like, Oh, I don't have any butterflies. I'm, I'm cool. Like I'm chill. I don't have the, the nerves aren't there.
3: First, first year is like, am I treading water? Good. I'm doing great. <laughs> like Literally just breathing yeah. like head above. Right.
0: And if you say your first year was a breeze. <laughs> some, I don't know what you were doing. Tell me, tell me, because I never feel that way. Um, Definitely with lesson planning, if I can just sit down for five minutes and I'm like, yeah, I know what my kids are doing today, as opposed to hours and hours of laboring. And that's not to say that I don't put forth the effort, but now I know what works in my classroom Mm -hmm. and, and get that feedback from students. It really helps.
1: You've done it so many times that you can just take a topic And it's almost automatic at this point. Like, you know, all the pieces that need to to go into that to make it a successful lesson. Right. That's definitely how I felt towards the end of my career is like, okay, I I can create a brand new lesson I have never taught just based off a a simple topic. I I knew how to structure it from the beginning to the end, know how to assess it Um, just because you've done it so many times with different topics. Um, yeah, it just gets so much more efficient over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think oftentimes, too, first-year teachers, you rely on the textbook a lot, I, at least um, for English. Now, for math, it might you might still rely on that textbook. Um, but I found that as I've continued to develop as a teacher, I don't need the textbook. I don't remember the last time I touched a literature textbook mm. um, for my content area. And so I think that... Having that as a safety net is nice, you know, because there's guiding questions at the end of every story and, you know, it kind of basically clues you in on what kids are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that if you can get rid of that textbook and do that for yourself, like what are my guiding questions? What is it that I want kids to get out of this story that we're doing? What skills are we really working on? Then I think you really start to develop as an educator if you can do that.
2: I don't know. I think um, for me, the idea of confidence comes through having developed like a system for classroom management, or maybe not even a system, but like a style. Um, because <laughs> thinking about it, like for some reason, I always just create new work for myself that then reduces maybe some content confidence. We're like, oh, I've, I've decided we're going to make some new classes that we haven't taught before. And really, other people don't seem to teach. So there's no curriculum that exists for that. So that's like, always a process of evaluation whether something's going well or like this year it was like "Mm, let's we're gonna have ap english come back even though i haven't really in-depth analyzed literature for a long time so like hopefully that goes well but um i think being able to just like get the room to cooperate makes everything else easier and i feel like if anything i've hit a place where i can get the room to cooperate so Kids smell your fear. They do, They though. really do. Yeah. They
0: do pick up on if you are nervous or scared in front of them. They know mm-hmm. very, very clearly. And they know not what conscious. buttons. Do what now, but
2: Not consciously. So on, like, a predator level? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. They, like, oh, okay.
0: just, like, it's the reptilian subconscious brain. Subconscious level, they mm-hmm.
2: recognize it.
0: Yeah, it's the reptilian brain going, I can now get out my cell phone. Mm-hmm. It is now time. Because yeah. mm-hmm. this teacher's not going to do anything about it.
1: When we originally uh, brought up this question. I wasn't even thinking classroom management. I don't know why I was just Mm -hmm. thinking like the act of teaching, but that's classroom management is like the big thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe that's okay. I need to (laughs) reevaluate
3: my thoughts here. I I guess on that, like combining what, what Sam was saying with what you're saying, Jacob, where you said like that three year mark. Um, so I had the unique situation where I taught not my content area for three years.
2: Beautifully. Like, thought,
3: he worked very hard. History. I don't know if it was beautiful. It was. I, we saw God, a This second, is we know. Okay. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: I, that
3: was not a beautiful that moment. It's not your fault. Anyway. Uh, that's a different episode right there. All on its own right there. Yeah.
0: We really should put, so that, that should put a pin in that. that. Okay, put a <laughs> pin
3: in that. Okay. Put a pin in that. So that, that three-year mark, but combined with like the classroom management. Okay. So teaching, I taught history for three years before getting my band job and now it's my fourth year of the band job. And so whenever I made that switch, like content wise and school wise, there definitely was that reset of like, oh, I don't have that any confidence that I did feel at the end of year three in history where I I've got the idea of pacing. I've got the idea of like what activities fit with what unit and everything like that. Um, but the classroom management definitely did carry over like my confidence in commanding the room my and interest. Yeah, yeah, you know, that makes sense. So, so like I still feel seventh year like on that aspect and I'm I'm seeing the returns like in the band program at this point since <laughs> it's my fourth year with them, it's it's finally shaping into like what I expect to see in a program, which is really nice. What what percentage would you put in your total
1: confidence <laughs> number <It laughs> comes from classroom management and what percent goes to like content specific knowledge? Um, or experience.
3: I guess in some ways I rely on content knowledge and experience for classroom management if that makes any sense. Okay. Like that really drives how I uh cap uh capture their attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is by always having something new to say about music. Whether it's music appreciation or my composition class or one of the bands, like always having something else to throw at them. So th- those those kind of play together, but um at least 70 to 75% is the classroom management. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if I can get you to just like sit still for a second, you'd yeah. see that like really what I'm trying to do is show you something really cool. Like it's super fascinating. I promise you just need to pay attention for a second. Um, and then like, it takes care of itself because if I can pique their interest, well, they'll pursue the knowledge on their own anyways. Oh, well put. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. So that, you know, I, I think that classroom management is the, biggest factor that's why i reacted the way i did when Mm -hmm. you know that's it's a huge part of it Mm -hmm.
2: yeah well and i think i can think to teachers that i've worked with who have been absolutely brilliant in their content field um but overall probably wouldn't describe even themselves as the most confident teacher um and it's because that like management piece is missing like you can be the most brilliant person in the room but if you can't get anybody to listen like what's it what is that for? Yeah.
3: Because right. it's not about you, right. right? It's not about what you know. Yeah, it's about how do you get them to know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a,
1: a student teacher that definitely, um, I would describe as that person of mm-hmm. like clearly you you know the content um, at a very very high level, but you have no way of selling this to students. And and maybe that's a bad way to put it,
2: selling. but but it I kind of
0: is, is right? Um, you have to entertain them in some manner. You have to. You have to Uh, garner their interest. You have to garner their interest. And whether that is that you show it and convey it in a passionate way and you have to, I think there is some acting in what it is that you're teaching because math isn't exactly spicy. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Just saying. I, I, look, integration <laughs> is absolutely the right. Rate of change go. over time. Come on, man. How I don't that? know not if awesome. I've mentioned before that Eric watches calculus
2: videos on YouTube in his spare time. So, like, maybe we could acknowledge <laughs> that you're not the norm. <laughs> <laughs> All,
0: All, right. All right.
3: Romanian topography is fascinating to me. Romanian <laughs> topography. I don't yeah, even know those great, what those words mean. <laughs> it is. It's going to be my uh, psychedelic math rock band.
2: <laughs> what is that?
3: Like, is it Dream Theater? Is that the... Never mind. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Dream Theater's a band.
1: Uh, are they a math
2: band, though? Never mind. It so, doesn't matter. So,
1: interesting, okay. uh, if I can... Yeah, yeah. You can. Indulge me for just a moment. No. With the classroom manual... So, we're, teachers are, are taught and tested on content-specific knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, right. To be a teacher, you have to pass um, various tests... Um, To be to be certified and you can add additional certification through content knowledge alone. But at no point along the way, other than maybe, maybe student teaching is your classroom management ever really evaluated. Mm -hmm. Or so I I had a conversation with somebody who instructs student teachers, a former colleague um, at the school we taught at. And she brought up like classroom management really isn't instructed because there's not a Mm -mm. great way to do it. So outside of practical experience or field experience and student teaching, there's not a a good place to do it. And I would say a lot of people don't even get experience with classroom management in those placements.
0: Right. Right. Because it's kind of inauthentic, right? Because you have another human in the Mm -hmm. room with you. That teacher, I know... I have had student teachers. So now I'm in the room still. Mm -hmm. So I'm still the authority. And I try to like remove myself as safely as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But there are some instances, especially if you have a student teacher that's not confident at all, where I'm still required to be in this room with these kids until you get to your first year teaching when you're the only adult in the room. You really don't get an opportunity to practice management. What they really should do is just send the student teachers out to like the playground and you know, whatever grades you have and make them like all play a game together, like orchestrate something that is wait, very, wait,
1: wait, are you talking about an icebreaker <laughs> or like <laughs> a team builder is what I'm that hearing. That sounds really uh... familiar.
0: I, but I do think.
1: <laughs> okay. No, I'm with, no, I'm <laughs> but, with like, you. I see, yeah. I, I see value in that. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I think as part of, and it should happen early on, right? We do student teachers a disservice because they don't, Step into a classroom till their junior or senior year, mm-hmm. and they've already spent thousands of dollars to do this career, and they've never once interacted with kids in an authentic mm-hmm. pl- place and
3: space. My very first practicum was my freshman year. Like well, I don't know if that's uh, specific to to music. Yeah, okay. For you just at a,
2: your school too. Like we can't. Your music education okay. experience
3: isn't. It was just a, a universal ten-hour observational practicum. Like it was very, very, very. Mm-hmm low baseline. I was not involved in the classroom at all. And like, honestly, in some sense, I didn't see the total value in doing that besides just being exposed to, Hey, this is what being in a rehearsal room looks like when you are not participating Mm -hmm. or whenever you are not uh, one of the rehearsal attendants, right? Right. Like to lead. it.
0: So I think, yeah, I think that, okay, so maybe you're freshman year, you want to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. We're going to go out to such and such elementary school during Mm -hmm. their Lunch during their recess, and you're in charge of this group of kids. What are you gonna do?
3: Lead them through some sort. Lead them
0: through an activity, an icebreaker of some (laughs) sort, Um, but just to get their feet wet in an authentic way, right? Because they don't, and even then, it's still a little inauthentic because here's this stranger. Coming right. onto your playground going, come play with me. Um, that's maybe not the direction we now want to it go. it feels scary. Right. <laughs> I was like, uh. But if you could build some of those activities in for your student teachers, I feel like they would gain the confidence that they needed. Yeah. Um, so their first year isn't
2: so scary. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think through my experience uh, at the university level, like we had good opportunities to, to do those things built into our program. We worked with one of the community centers in an after-school program with um, students and families. um, And there were were a lot of behaviors there. So we got to, we were challenged with that. Um, Mm -hmm. We worked with students from the boys' ranch in a literacy program. um, And there were some behaviors uh, kind of with that. And then just practical as well. Behaviors are kind of baked into special education sometimes. But they're all kind of like, you know, small group interactions. Mm-hmm. And I would say I felt really confident, but then you throw me in a class of, you know, 10 to 20 kids. It was, it was just way different because back to what you said, like there was always somebody else in the room. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody else to fall back on, which is good. Like there, there should be a support system. But when you're that first year teacher, like, wow.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It almost makes me wonder, because anytime anybody comes into my room, they're going to inherently benefit from the environment I've created. And then, like, when you do have your own yes. classroom, yes. that's completely up to you. You don't like you could be there on the first day of second semester. But I still had a whole semester where we were establishing yeah. norms, behaviors, expectations. Um, and it almost makes me wonder, like, would it be better to just have someone come in on day one? Because we're very like ease in the student teacher. Don't like make them t- take Over everything too fast, that's really stressful, and it is. It definitely is.
3: Yeah, but what's your first day of teaching? Yeah, that <laughs> like, Would it be better for
2: you if you just came in on the first day and I was at the back of the room and I'm like continually giving you feedback on your teaching and like helping you through that? And that way, those kids see you, I mean, as their leader. That almost. takes
3: it away from you as the classroom teacher, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you don't, it, it in a way interrupts your ability to establish what you need to see in your classroom, you, you know what I mean?
2: Yes, I yeah. guess,
3: like, fine. We're, Almost we're, maybe
2: like that should be a, a secondary, not secondary, but like another role, right? Yeah. Like we're gonna have teachers come in with like a mentor person.
3: Yeah. Or
2: pre-service teachers or like, with a mentor.
3: I guess if it's your student teacher and they're with you seven hours a day, one of those hours is from day one theirs. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, I guess yeah. Right. I'm just thinking, like, how do you strike that balance? Oh, also, so there are a lot. Oh, go ahead, no, Amanda.
0: Um, I also wonder too if there would be a way in. I know that this kind of is pivoting a little bit, but I do think it deals with teacher confidence. Um, if pre-service teachers or su- student teachers um, earlier in their career were forced to do so many hours subbing somewhere, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and then it's paid, right? So mm-hmm. um, hopefully, you know, to some degree <sighs> that they could get income from that, but also give them the authentic experience of being the only person in the room because they really
2: are the only person in the room. My Mm -hmm. struggle with that though, is I think subbing is almost in some ways harder, like management wise. It's not harder in terms of the fact that you get to leave. You don't have any content responsibilities, but kids are, as soon as that person, like their person leaves the room, they can be so heinous to a sub.
3: I learned so much being a sub before I was a teacher. Like Mm -hmm. after I graduated, there was a year and a half where I was subbing. And I, I feel like on that classroom management note, like it was I, helpful. Oh, it was immensely helpful. Like that way, whenever I actually came in on my first year of teaching, it was still my first year of teaching. Don't get me wrong, but I had a certain, uh, uh, armor like a galvanization, yeah, you know that I I had already seen some ser- I oof, I got stories, but like that was one of our vocab words this week.
2: I'm sorry, that's all, <laughs> all I had to. I just had to say it.
3: What galvanization? Oh, okay. Ga- oh, okay. Well, Good job. There, there. You go. Hey, A and A P lit. Yeah. yeah okay. I get Two dollars now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I I think that there is absolutely worth to doing that, and if it was like structured into a practicum right. situation and to guarantee also- that you don't just Immediately go in cold turkey yeah. your first year. And,
0: and it could be something where there are a set number of schools that use like Kelly subbing services or something like that mm-hmm. that partner with colleges and say, Hey, specifically we want your English content area. We want yeah. you know what I mean? Or at where least you like could
3: a semester before they student teach. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah.
0: and something like that. Because I think it would also offer student teachers the opportunity to see other schools yeah. and other grade levels mm-hmm. because I don't know what it's like to teach at like let's say a middle school or even an elementary school because I've never had that experience and it might be kind of nice for me before I start my teaching career to decide hey maybe I want to step down and do middle school yeah. and and get those certifications yeah. or maybe you know so I think it would help make some of those decisions for your career a little yeah. easier too
3: I don't want to go too much more into the weeds on it but like thinking about it that means that like the student would also have to leave like full days open in their schedule to go be a sub or they'd have to like take nine classes on those. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was just identifying like, yeah. Like, oh yeah. It would be a hurdles. struggle. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean,
2: know. but if you get paid and like, they're already leaving full days open to work anyway, like mm-hmm. maybe it could work out. Yeah. No, no, yeah. It could be possible.
3: So all of that to say that like subbing could yeah. build your confidence going into that first year. So I,
1: I think you know, we all had kind of a traditional student teaching experience, mm-hmm. but so many times right now, there are student teachers that are teacher of record. So they're going, they're just being thrown in.
2: Yes. yeah.
1: Um, They are the teacher. They don't usually, usually they'll have somebody there to support them somewhat, but there are so many horror stories mm-hmm. where they're, you're a teacher of record and the person who's supposed to provide support really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be helpful going back to... Kind of what you said, Sam, about, you know, a student teacher's coming in and they're already benefiting from the culture and climate that you've created. Mm -hmm. Like that's I guess it was talked about a little bit in my education classes, but there was never any anything definitive um, done in terms of like planning it and crafting that. Being intentional. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like if if you have that prepared prior to student teaching, that could really be helpful. Mm -hmm. You could interact with your um, supervising teacher before school starts, hopefully you know who it is and can maybe set up a plan or if you become the teacher of record, you at least have something. I know I, I did not. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, and I think so much of our educational experience, at least from my experience, um Eric had a class where they did like love and logic. Mm. I did not have that class. That was not something that I got. Um so any classroom management I was really exposed to, I feel like approaches everything from like how do we punish bad behaviors right. so that they're gone as opposed to like how do we develop good behaviors in a collaborative environment, yeah. which really I think should be the the focus. Right. But I also think part of that can be fixed by being more intentional with how pre-service teachers are placed. Like, I, for example, my cooperating teacher just left. Like, she straight up, she was like, this is your class now, I'm gone, and just, like, sat in the workroom all day. Fortunately, like... Mine turned out well anyway, but that is a really good recipe for f- failure um, in a lot of ways. And I, that person wanted student teachers so that someone was in the room while she could be out of the room doing other things. I'm sure was like a department head and had other jobs that she wanted to be doing. Or like I think of practicum experiences I had where somebody was like, I love that you're here. Go make these copies for me. Yeah. And I was like, sure. But like also now I'm in the library making copies. I'm not even observing your classroom. Um, And so I think maybe like having better partnerships with people who are willing to serve as that like teacher mentor and not just like a teacher of record, for example, could also help have like to foster a better sense of confidence because you're actually going through like a feedback system with somebody who's willing to be intentional about your learning.
0: Right. I feel like you could also do like a co-teaching model if you can meet with that person. Yeah, Like you said, before school actually starts or, you know, in that interim time that we have um, during Christmas or winter break or what have you, um, where you could develop some lessons that you co-teach together Mm -hmm. Um, at the high school level. I still have yet. To see true co-teaching take place, I would love to. I wish I could. Like, right. if you if you teach at a school that really does an excellent job at that, please reach out to us because I'd love to just come sit in your room and just see what that looks like. Um, but I do think that, like Sam was saying, like there should be some sort of you're in
2: this together. Right. Like it's Not a community. Just are you thing. willing to take a student teacher? But like, are you willing to mentor a student teacher, right. which is kind of a different.
3: So I think it's fair to say that more confidence in our teaching, like we'd be able to start off with more confidence from like that, that pre-service, like it's, it's really, that's where a lot of that is rooted.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, is that, is, would you say that's a fair assessment, at least based on what we've talked about today?
2: I think that, and then on the flip side, this is like on the opposite end of the coin, right? I think there is some confidence in just like having the experience to realize that you can't do anything that's that bad. Like on your day-to-day basis, nothing that horrible is going to happen as long as you're not just like leaving the kids and like doing some Lord of the Flies experiment or something. Like it's going to be okay. I think about like the last year that I sponsored the play was the first year that I didn't want to just like vomit the whole time because I was like, this play is going to happen. I know my kids are going to support each other. And at the end of the day, even if it's not perfect, it's going to be okay. And there's like a sense of confidence in that too. So like better preparation, and then I guess also like better acceptance.
3: And there's no replacement for time. Hey, thanks for listening to Where the Whiteboards Are.
1: If you have any questions or comments for us, you can reach us at WTWA at 277media.com.
2: The opinions expressed in our podcast are that of the individuals and do not represent the opinions of their employers, school districts, or communities in which they work.